Grab a brew, listen up, and get back to you. This is Things I Wish I'd Known podcast. Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host, Rachel Welford, the podcast where we create positive change in your life through having interesting conversations. And today I am with Michelle Agoposwitch, and she is a Reiki master. She does social work. She's studied disabilities. She basically is incredible and she works with people on healing trauma, which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you will know is something that is very, very close to my heart because she believes that trauma is universal, really. We've all experienced trauma and sometimes we might think that somebody else is is worse than ours or maybe that wasn't a traumatic thing, but Michelle really believes that it's universal and she approaches everything with this trauma-informed perspective, which I think is really refreshing and helps people to create wellness and balance through integration of both um, kind of traditional counselling and mindfulness techniques, um, as well as other tools and stuff that she's just built up over time and obviously throwing in all the learnings from Reiki and everything else in there as well. So thank you so much for being here, Michelle. It's really great to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. Me too. Me too. So the way I I love to always start at the beginning, because rarely does somebody that works with trauma go, oh, yeah, there's no story here. (laughs) And I know that you um, have shared that, you know, you've sort of suffered with um, autoimmune disease. You've had trauma. You've experienced with uh, experienced anxiety. How how did all that stuff start? Like, take us back to the beginning. Yeah, I think what happens to you, Rachel, for a lot of people is we often think trauma is this one big thing that happens. Mm. Mine was not that necessarily. It was cumulative over time. All of these things that also at the same time started to create my coping strategies as a small person and all the ways that it just sort of formed my personality. So I think I've always been an empath, a highly sensitive person who's kind of sponged up everybody's stuff and never known what mine was and what other people's was. So I grew up in a small town where I never felt like belonged. So it was a town of about, you know, 500 people or so. Yeah. And I never, I had a few people in there, but I never felt like I really entirely belonged there. And so I think that also laid down the foundation of a trauma in many ways, Mm. because I went to school with the same few people for, you know, kindergarten to grade 12. And so for this whole period of time, there were lovely, lovely people in my life, but I never really felt like I landed there. Mm. So for the first 18 years of my life, there was lots of bullying and just a sense of not feeling like I belonged, that I was somehow dropped here, that I didn't have the same sort of ideals or ideas or the ways of seeing the world that other people saw. So that Mm. wouldn't, you know, and I considered that a trauma because my system was overwhelmed for 18 years in that way. Yeah, I think so many people, I agree, think, you know, trauma is, I don't know, a world event or some kind of major catastrophe, like a big flood or um, a car accident or, you know, witnessing a death or, um, you know, suicide, all all these kinds of things that generally people would go, oh, God, are you okay? You know, big assaults, physical assaults or sexual assault, these kinds of things. It's like, actually, a lot of the time trauma can come from, like you say, prolonged ongoing stressful situations whether that be at home or at work 
feeling like you not belong. I mean, you saying that just resonates so much with me. I remember yeah. literally for years when I was a kid, I used to think I was an actual alien. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, I don't know. I don't feel like yeah. these people. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the stork dropped me like in the wrong location or like, something, right? So by accident, yeah. like beam me back up. What the hell is going on in this planet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and so, what this happens is, I think, is in my mind, the stress and trauma are the same thing mm. because it's anything that overwhelms your system and it's anything that gets stored in your system. And yeah. so, then on top of this, sort of eighteen years of not quite being sure whether who I was was okay in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad has had type one diabetes his entire life. He lost his eyesight when I was three. And so while that might, you know, that was something that at the time I did not consider a trauma. Um, it was just the way it was. My family's pretty normal and healthy. And for the most part in that way, but to a three-year-old in reflection, I'm like, okay, but that wouldn't have made sense to a three-year-old. No. Right. And so it really, I think it laid down some of the foundation for me feeling like I needed to be a people pleaser and a perfectionist. And I think some of the anxiety really got rooted yeah. in that place. And then there was multiple events going forward where my dad had strokes and other things that we've dealt with over time. So that I've also faced his death throughout mm-hmm. my life, even though he's luckily still here. Yeah. And then when I was around grade five, grade six, um, there was a sexual assault encounter at that point. And so then that also what, but what happened is bullying really started happening at the same time. And this is funny how trauma works. Mm. So in my mind, the bullying is actually still worse than the sexual assault because in my mind, they all knew the sexual assault had happened. And that's why they were bullying me, even though nobody knew Nobody could tell, but in my like, you know, little 12 year old brain. Yeah. I thought everybody can see that I've done something wrong and something has happened to me. Everybody knows. And that's a horrible fear, isn't it? Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Yeah. And that, but none of them did know. None of them did know. But in my mind, this was the story, the trauma story I started to create about this. It's so fascinating, isn't it? Because I also think, um, and I don't know how much research there is to back this up, to be honest. So this might just be my opinion for anyone that's listening. <laughs> Take it or leave it. But in my experience, the times when I've been most vulnerable is where I've been more likely to have a traumatic event happen. Yeah. And I do think that sometimes, you know, if you think about perpetrators that are looking for victims, you know, however you want to dress that up for whatever the crime is going to be or the traumatic event is going to be they're not looking for super confident people that are fully supported Mm -hmm. that have got their shit together that have really secure boundaries who you know walk with a you know a skip in their step and have this kind of like confidence about them are they they're looking for people who maybe look like they can't defend themselves or look already like something so it's interesting that you know you've had this event happen and then the bullying is kind of concurrent with that because maybe you know, and this is 100% not victim blaming at all. Yeah. But you know, you're, yes. Yes. when you've had a traumatic event happen, you things change, you stand differently, like it resets yes. your nervous system, it resets yeah. how you view the world, you're hypervigilant, you're, you know, all these other things happen, yeah. and people pick up on that, whether it's yeah. conscious or not. And yeah. therefore, you're probably more likely 
um, unfortunately, you know, that in the one point probably where you need people to scoop you up and say, hey, Michelle, like, are you OK? It's like, yeah. actually, yeah. they see a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I can right? It. And this is like absolutely the origin of like lots of my gut issues, lots of the other mm. things that became chronic. And my anxiety had always been there as a sensitive person and it just, it yeah. just went through the roof. And I did. My coping strategy was to be high performing because I think this is the other thing about trauma is people think oh you know trauma traumatic people who had trauma are homeless and have addictions and all of these which is true it's but also, also why are they homeless and why do they have addiction exactly. <laughs> and why do they have mental health and yeah. you know there's this these all these things are just a symptom of trauma yeah but what also is a symptom of trauma is like for me, perfectionism, anxiety, mm. people pleasing, some of these other trauma symptoms we don't necessarily say, as well as high achieving. So in order to feel mm. control in my world, I could be really good at caretaking. I could be yeah. really good at like academics. I could be really good at these other things. So I think there's also the other side of the people who take that trauma yeah, and then and then run with it by never allowing themselves to relax and keep I think, going. And yeah, being... I think it's called um, is it called post traumatic growth syndrome or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's actually a, a phrasing for it where yeah. Yeah. people kind of go right it, rather than it breaking them, they kind of like right, okay, let's yeah. You know, but I'm I gonna... think before they transcend the trauma and say I'm going to do something with yeah. it. There's lots of coping strategies that maybe aren't quite at that post-traumatic growth yet. Because I think post-traumatic growth is probably what came later for me Mm. in terms of making meaning of these events. Yeah. And understanding what it did to my system and how it got stored in my body and all of these things. And it's interesting what you shared as well, because I'd I'd love to just touch on this. Because I talk about this a lot with my clients. I work with some people that have experienced, you know, pretty hefty traumas and um similar things happen you know like you said oh I, I view the the bullying as almost worse than the sexual assault and it's like because it depends how your brain and your body have registered mm-hmm. that event so yeah. you might have there's a um in I'm trying to remember which book it's in now it's a really interesting study about these two people that were in the same car accident and how their brains and bodies registered the car accident. And it was a really bad, you know, they were both very lucky to survive the accident. And one of them hadn't registered it as trauma at all. They were so unbelievably grateful that they they couldn't fathom that when they looked at that vehicle and then looked at their body and were like, how am I here? What? Like... Yeah. And so it kind of didn't even register as trauma because for them it was like this incredible event. Right. Like survive, I survived yeah. it. And the yeah. other person com- had complete PTSD, hypervigilance, anxiety, mm-hmm. couldn't focus, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat properly. Like all of their system was completely because they couldn't believe they were in this accident and it, it completely terrified them. So it, it doesn't really always matter what the event is. No. It and matters how is- your body and your brain yes. register it. Mm. Yeah, it's not what happened. It's what happened next. And then it's how our body stores it. And then it's the story that we tell about it. And it goes to show you this is one of the mysteries of the universe. We haven't figured this out why the brain and the body works in this way, like Mm. psychology, medicine, like we know what the nervous system we does, we know what the brain, but we don't really understand 
you know, why do some personalities end up being okay and other personalities mm. don't? Why does why does it make a growth situation for others? Why doesn't for for me? I'm incredibly grateful that no matter what happened, I knew I was loved within my family, mm. and I think that just buffered. I agree. So many things. Although, if you fast forward into my twenties, my anxiety got worse. I had body dysmorphia. I had food issues. I had stomach issues, and I just generally hated myself. There was a lot. Mm. There was like no ounce of self love in there. And then when I got into my thirties, I was diagnosed with the autoimmune condition, and this was this was my post traumatic growth moment <laughs> mm. <laughs> because it shook me up in such a way because I thought I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna die because can, of this. Can you share? Because I'm not a hundred percent sure with autoimmune because condi- there's so many different autoimmune yeah. conditions. Isn't it? how does that represent what kind of what were you experiencing when? Yeah. When that so happened? I actually, so it actually came completely out of the blue for me, and I'm happy to say today that when I go get my blood work, all my markers are back in the complete normal oh, range. Yeah. And I think that was because it was a wake up call. I was like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. not going to hate my body anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn how to live in my body. I'm going to yeah. learn how to be grounded. I'm going to learn how to deal with the anxiety. I'm going to learn how to deal with the stress. So that was a huge period of real, real darkness in my 30s. Yeah as I was trying to sort that out, but I'm really happy to say that in my forties, I'm like, no, I, I'm good. I'm good. And it hasn't progressed any further. I'm back in the normal range, but there absolutely is connection with autoimmune conditions and trauma because it's an inflammation response. So it's, you know, autoimmune happens for people within trauma. Yeah. Sometimes some people also just genetically get autoimmune conditions and there's no, so you also don't have to think what is, why did it, why did this happen? Yeah. You don't have to. Um, for me, I absolutely knew it was because I didn't love myself and I'd hated my body long enough that my body said no more. Yeah. You've, you've, you've stored this trauma for too long and mine all happens in the gut. Yeah. So like all of my processing happens through the body. Yeah, that's where I store it. And so it really depends kind of who you are and how that presents itself. Yeah. Myself, I really didn't have any symptoms other than lots and lots of years of chronic, like, leaky gut right. stuff. So when I got my physical results back, and they were like, you got to go to room, I was like, what the heck is happening? No, yeah. I'm fine. So I actually, it wasn't that I was pursuing that I didn't feel good. I think gut gut stuff's really interesting as well. Like I hear this quite a lot. I'm very lucky actually. I generally can eat, give or take, pretty much whatever I want. And my gut's pretty, you know, even really spicy food or, you know, whatever. Um, But I think gut issues are really funny because for most people, they're like, oh, it's always been like this. Oh, it's just how it is. Oh, I shouldn't eat dairy or, you know, it's it's only when I eat this particular thing and that's not that often or whatever. And it's like, but if you were bleeding out of your eye, but only when you use mascara, <laughs> like <laughs> you're probably going to stop using mascara or like, yeah. oh, it's only happens like three times a month. So it's cool. Yeah. And you're like, you're bleeding out of your eye, man, you know, but because you can't really see it and yep. it, you know, it might be a bit annoying, but it's kind of people don't yeah. necessarily always pay attention, but there's such big links between gut health there and everything because, else in the body. Because when you're stressed, your system's constantly pumping out cortisol. Mm. So your gut never gets to heal or gets to settle. I think it's such a good point too, because culturally we also get told like this is where collective trauma comes in. Oh yeah, that gut thing's pretty bad, but you know, power through. Yeah, or just take a Rene. Just everyone, you gets, know, just everybody gets um, 
acid reflux or everybody yeah, just, gets diarrhea here yeah. and there and everybody gets this or you know or yeah. constipated or bloated yeah. or whatever and it's like yeah. do they yeah. <laughs> yeah and then when we have trauma we also get to we we abandon our needs too mm. right so it's like well you know I have this thing you just live with it yeah right? but that's a trauma symptom in itself isn't it because you're not saying I'm important enough to actually yeah, and also I think it's Look an energy thing. Is. Like it how, is a huge energy how thing. much energy you spend. Like I was in hypervigilance when I had PTSD for literally years, right? And so, <laughs> but I didn't know that's what I was doing. I just yeah. that's how my that's just was my normality. And you don't realize how much energy it takes to be scanning every yeah. single you know minute not even minute like seconds of scanning people's facial expressions scanning people's body language scanning the room making sure you know where the exits are does that window open is that thing has mm-hmm. that been, it's like how much cognitive load is being utilized yeah. in just trying to make sure that you feel safe then on top of that you've got to then go oh I've got this gut thing and now I need to go and see maybe a doctor or I need to go and get some kind of thing or I need to watch what I'm eating but actually I'm so stressed and vigilant about everything that you know shopping is really difficult anyway and then I don't want to think about what Mm -hmm. food I'm eating or that I'll just grab whatever's quick and simple and it's it's this whole or I want to be comforted and the comfort foods Mm. often irritate up but and then you also love comforting (laughs) (laughs) you make a really good point about the like cognitive fatigue too because it's not just something happens to me like it's happening energetically and spiritually mm. it's happening in our body it's happening in our thought process it's happening it in how we everything. lead in the world it's everything it's completely holistic and I think so many people also say well I actually never considered that that car accident or that sexual uh, assault or I never actually or you know the death the traumatic death of somebody having yeah. you know, suicide or mental health so many people tell me they're like well, I never named it as trauma. And what my passion is, is like, to me, trauma seems like this really big, scary thing, but to me, it's completely destigmatizing. Mm. So when we can have this conversation about trauma, it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's not that there's, you did something. It's that something happened to you. And so to me, then the addiction, the mental health, mm. the gut issues, the autoimmune condition, however it shows up for you, then isn't about blaming yourself on what you did and what happened, no. you know, it's what suddenly you what you didn't do. It's suddenly like, oh, I have a name for this experience. Mm. And so I think people think, oh, it feels like a really big, scary word. Yeah. But I think it takes its power away when we name it as trauma and we can name it as a thing. And people go, oh, I never recognized it as that. And especially when you share like, you know, Uh, definitely I've had this with certain clients you know it's not just fight flight freeze it's fight flight freeze fawn Mm -hmm. and a lot of the you know people pleasing or you know is appease the threat and a lot of the like you know if you didn't do anything it's because you froze and actually a lot of the time if you look at you know how your nervous system has been programmed if you're the kind of person who had to be quiet and wait something out because you weren't so sure Mm. what was going to happen or you didn't know what mood someone was going to be in or you didn't know if you were going to get hit or whatever and you live in that environment for a really you know long time and then you come out as an adult into the world and some years later you know your boss reacts in a similar way to how maybe that parental figure did and you just freeze 
that's because it's learned behavior. It's not because yeah. you did something wrong and you couldn't stand up for yourself or you weren't clear on your boundaries or you, yeah. it's because it's, that's how your nervous system has learned that yeah. you can survive situations yes. like that. And so then you can start to go, oh, and again, you release that self-blame and stop yeah. going, why didn't I fight back? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Well, mm-hmm. because you hadn't, you've got, when you go into that space, you've got no control. Your body's going to go, no this is how we're going to survive. Yeah. This is yeah. how we're going to survive. And actually, then you can go, my body made the right decision because I'm still here. Yes, because it's also <laughs> a brilliant... having this conversation? Yes, and it's a brilliant strategy. So that's what I like to tell people too. Like you might not like the anxiety, but at the time it was a beautiful strategy that yes. kept you safe. You might not like your overuse of substances, but it was a beautiful thing that kept you safe at the time. You've just outgrown it. And it takes a while to get back into it. And I also don't want to think, I think the other thing we think about within trauma is you'll heal it, you'll unpack it, and then you'll never be triggered again. You'll be healed and everything will be fine. <laughs> sorry. I'm um, sorry, people. <laughs> Humanity, right, is such that you you have to face it over and over again. But, but then I want to add another one, but outside of the fight, fright, flight, mm. freeze, fawn, is that we're also capable of flow. Mm. And we can be in that flow state. And even if we default back to fawn, well, mine's mm-hmm. fun when when we get into a stress response we can also then figure out how to get back out of that stress response and get back into flow but yeah. flow also isn't something you you don't live in flow either we're constantly we have th- thousands of emotions a day mm. th- thousands of stress responses and thousands of flow responses in a day but we mm. tend to but we're also programmed really when we all lived in caves and things right we really only need to pay attention if a bus is about to hit us. We don't need yeah. to pay attention to the to the times when we're feeling really good. No. Right? But that's why gratitude and mindfulness practices too yeah. is nice because it brings us back to actually being able to look at the beauty and safety around us in this moment. Because Absolutely. that hypervigilance, you're right, that hypervigilance overtakes everything. And then the only thing left for me anyways, the only energy left is like, well, I'm going to go off a nap. I'm going back to bed. Yeah. absolutely and I think also for a lot of people when you've been feeling completely numb Mm -hmm. because it's easier not to feel anything than it is to feel all this stuff and then you've got to feel it to heal it and it starts coming in and it's terrifying or you have done a lot of trauma work this was definitely in my experience I did loads of I mean I've done so much therapy now it's (laughs) hilarious um but you come out the other end and you do you have that period of time where you're like this is awesome oh my god I'm so happy I can feel things I'm joyful I'm relaxed I can relax I can relax (laughs) and then it's like oh okay but then something happens in life yeah because it will a little bit triggered and you go oh my god it's happening again and I'm and there's that fear of just falling all the way back down into that pit yeah uh, which rarely happens it's just like you've got to remember there's like this whole plethora of feelings and you're going to feel all the all the things and it's okay yeah and then and then we have to have we have to figure out how to befriend our feelings and have it be okay Mm. to feel it to heal it and to say okay so I'm feeling this feeling but actually if I stay with it Mm. even for just a little bit of time even just name it and yeah. then move on it doesn't get stored in the same way and then it also takes a little while after you've done you know your work and you've you know done the bulk of the work mm. you get triggered again. it takes a few triggers before you can trust trust it you're like yeah. okay 
I actually can get stressed without going into full panic attacks anymore. Yeah. But it probably took 10 years to trust that it wasn't going to result in a panic yeah. attack. Yeah. And even when it's like, you know, I remember one time, it was so random. I hadn't had a panic attack in years, years, and you know, and I wasn't even thinking about it. I was at the gym and this thing happened that was very similar to the trauma and I got completely transported in a second mm-hmm. and I just was like, <gasps> and I started going into a full-blown panic attack and I was just laying down on this bench, you know, with weights in my hands and I thought, shit, you need to get up and put these weights down, you know, for a start, you're going to clock yourself in the face. <laughs> and um, and I, as soon as I kind of set up, I had this observer piece of self that went, oh, you're about to have a panic attack. And that's because this happened. It's not actually, there's nothing happening now. You're completely safe. You're in the gym. And I was able to almost like flip it on a, yes. on, on its head and not have the, and, and I didn't end up having a, it was like the starting yeah. of one, but I didn't end up having this full blown panic attack. And, and I remember in that moment thinking like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, this and I think is this is, yeah, cool. and I love that you mentioned this, Rachel, because I think this is what it is. It's not like we're going to get triggered. Yeah. But to me, mindfulness and healing and being in a place where it feels like it's integrated enough, mm. it's good enough for the moment, is this meta perspective mm-hmm. where it's like, I can watch myself going into fawn. It's like, oh, I can actually see myself stepping towards the mm-hmm. people pleasing. Yep. And Sometimes I can say, okay, Michelle, you're doing that. So maybe don't. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh, you're walking right into it. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So funny when you do that. And then you're like, oh, I'm still watching myself make, make this choice to walk right into this pattern. And that's okay. And then what happens is self-compassion, self-forgiveness to be like, yeah, I did that thing. And being able to, this is a thing I never thought I'd be able to get to. And then laughing at it. Yeah. And being like, oh yeah, I did that thing. I'm doing that, that thing again. Yeah. Right. But I think when our when all of ourselves are integrated, we mm. can watch that hypervigilant self. We can watch yeah. the anxious part of us. We can watch the protector part of ourselves and the manager yeah. part of our you have this meta perspective. It's so I love that you shared that story because it is, it's like, oh yeah, I'm watching myself. I love I actually go love it because and also just giving yourself a break. Like as long as it's yeah. not um super super harmful behavior right like if you're watching yourself walk into just like using heroin again or something like that like probably don't probably don't what what if it's like oh look I'm watching this pattern of myself I'm just gonna say yes to something that I probably should have said no to just for ease or like my personal one which is super more common than I'd like to admit oh I'm just gonna watch myself comfort eat a tub of ice cream It's like I watched myself driving to the store, having the like, maybe I should stop for some chocolate. No, you don't need chocolate. No, I'm going to stop. Well, maybe I also need milk. So if I happen to find myself getting milk, you know, maybe chocolate would happen at the same time. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. I'm I'm here for it as well. We're like, oh, I need to get loo roll. No, you don't. You're trying to get ice cream. Like, <laughs> stop lying to yourself. And then you're yeah. like, oh well, if that's my coping mechanism today, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And it could yeah. be, you know, it, it could, could be a be lot worse. worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to know what's um one piece of advice like if you could go back and kind of speak to Michelle, you know, who was kind oh. of really suffering and had experienced this trauma and like. You know, you don't really need to know much about trauma to know that if you're being sexually assaulted at 
you know, 12, 12 years old or younger, it's going to have a, yeah. a major effect on yeah. lots of different areas of your life. Yeah. Um, what so, might you say yeah. to her? Well, the first thing I would, and I think this is maybe, maybe sounds pretty standard, but I would just wish I had had some semblance that I was lovable and that I, mm. I could love myself and that I was okay. And I think I had this profound moment in therapy when I was doing, I was actually trained because I'm trained in EMDR. So I was training to do EMDR. And when mm-hmm. you're training to do EMDR, you were actually processing learning. Yeah, Somebody else is doing therapy when you're learning. That is well intense. <laughs> And I was processing while I'm actually learning. And I burst out laughing around the sexual assault Mm. because I was like, oh my God, like shit, this has nothing to do with me. Wow. What a realization. And I burst out laughing because I was like, I was just there and available. It actually had nothing to do with who I was. Wow. And it had everything to do with them. It had nothing to do with me. And I found it hysterical. I had tears running down my face of like relief, but also humor mm. around this, that I'd held this for so long that somehow it was, there was something wrong with me that had happened. And I mm. think that's so common. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I love common. about EMDR and tapping in the other like body and mind processing things is that I, I, in that moment, I got a different story. Yeah. And so through that, then it sort of unfolded this like, oh, my God, I could rewrite what I've believed about myself, that I wasn't worthy, that I could love myself, that it was safe to be seen in the world. Because, of course, my strategy within the bullying and everything was to just disappear as much as possible. And so then it was like, I can I have a voice and I can be seen in the world and. I can survive if people don't like me. I still don't like that. That's still a trigger for me. Like I still want everybody to love me and everything I say and all of those things. But I have something to say and it's okay. And so I think it's just, it's, I wish, I wish I hadn't spent so much time hating my body, but of course I also blamed my body, right? Yeah. Wanted to hide my body. And, and so it was just this epiphany of, you're lovable. You can love yourself. And that, and that's beautiful. And everybody has a right to that. Yeah. Like everybody is not special and also incredibly uh, beautifully special at the same time. Yeah. And that you don't really need anyone else's like permission or validation for that either. Because I think for a long time, I, I mean, me and my body have had a really interesting journey anyway. I think there's still stuff that I'm working on and unpacking that I probably will be forever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't Me want too. To lim- Actually, I don't want to limit myself like that. I'm sure I'll get <laughs> over it at some point. Um, but I do feel like it was almost I would want somebody else to give me either permission that I was beautiful or that I had an acceptable body shape or that I wasn't fat or that, you know, and then I would go, oh, okay, I can maybe... Sit- but now I'm really starting to realize like you don't need anybody else to do trauma work. And I've been working on this planner, which I don't, it's been a nightmare project. Anyway, I won't go down that route. This wind start whinging on my podcast. Um, but anyway, part of the planner, it's called review, release, renew. And it's a process that I've been doing for a number of years and I've run it in the, the membership in Happy Habits Club and it's super popular. And part of it is around forgiveness. And forgiveness, I think, is a really interesting topic mm-hmm. that I myself massively misunderstood 
and I think is also generally misunderstood in in the world because um, you don't need anybody else for forgiveness. No, and I also and, don't think there's necessarily a really good English word for it because it, it gets us really trapped up. And, and I sometimes talk about this idea of toxic forgiveness. Yeah, because it's like as if you're going to like let someone off the hook, like, you yeah. know, whoever assaulted you, right? There's no way that you're going to, well, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but it's unlikely that, you know, if you've had that experience at any point, you're going to go, oh, that's okay, no problem, um right. you know so, it's like yeah. it wasn't okay that that happened but I actually yeah. don't need to forgive you in that sense I don't, and I don't need your input in terms of mm-hmm. I don't need you to apologize I don't need me to m- yeah. do anything all I need to do is let go mm-hmm. of the emotion that I'm holding on to like you said that story that I'm holding on to that I'm bad I did something wrong it was something wrong with my body there's you know potentially I mean again I don't want to put emotions in your but I imagine anger frustration resentments um shame and yet and in my family anger is not a big thing mm. so then it gets translated to anxiety so if mm. I'm sad so if I'm sad I cry if I'm happy I cry if I'm angry I cry mm-hmm. so I also don't think I ever really had any languaging around anger because anger wasn't an expression and and that goes yeah. into that fawn response through family rage because we because we, we inherit all these these things too right so I didn't get angry I used okay. to say that for years right? and so the thing that. is too because like because most of my family has a fawn and freeze response mm-hmm. we're all really conflict averse too right yeah. and so then there's not really any of this so you get this, okay, so then anxiety, just everything shows up as anxiety for me. Mm. And then there is this sort of, there's this toxic forgiveness of like, oh, I didn't, you know, I'm over it. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm, I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it just bypasses. It's the same yeah. as toxic positivity. It bypasses, yeah, yeah, yeah. which then links into this idea, which I've been playing with, because I'm still trying to get better at anger and actually saying, yes, I have that human emotion. Yeah. So one of the things that helped me to look at that is think about it as sacred anger. Oh, So there are things in the world and things we experience as humans that we're supposed to be angry about. It's not okay that people get sexually assaulted. It's not okay that we have war. It's not okay that we do these things to each other. Physically assaulted or right. Or anything, right? It's not okay. Yeah, yeah. Or it's not okay that you're 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 neglected as a child. Anything. None of that is okay. And so I think if you think about it as this helped me, at least, I don't want to say that it's going to help anyone else, but this idea that, but if it's sacred anger, to me, it's like this vessel you can hold in this place of, okay, but anger is the appropriate response right there. Yeah. But most of us have this experience, like anger is scary and out of control. Yeah. It doesn't have to be scary and out of control. No, and I, it doesn't I, have to be hidden either. I think it's an interesting thing because what I try and share with my clients a lot is every single emotion is valid Mm -hmm. and it is not a problem if it's the right response to the thing that's happening. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, it may be that actually laughing at the fact you were sexually assaulted might seem like the incorrect response, right? That's the Mm -hmm. same thing as like getting anxious about something that shouldn't be anxiety inducing okay and it's like okay so if we're experiencing you know rage fits or you know really extreme anxiety based on like how I used to if I had to leave my house right that shouldn't give me a panic attack 
opening my front door should not be an event yeah. that gives me a yeah. panic attack, but it used to, right? That yeah. was a thing that happened. And so that's an incorrect response. Mm-hmm. Me getting anxious because I'm walking alone at night and there's yeah. a guy who's crossed the road to walk closely yeah. behind me. Anxiety is the absolute yeah. correct response yeah. in that thing. And I yeah. think this well, is I where I want to give you, when you say incorrect, and I don't want to put well, words in your emotions, but I also yeah. want to say... Maybe not incorrect. Adapt, like adaptive, like mal- Ad- like ad- yeah. adaptive. So it's 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 protective. Yeah, even Maybe though not it's incorrect. not, it's not serving you in any way. Yeah, it's not you, actually keeping you safe. But I get, I know. Totally yeah, what you're no, saying. I'm glad that you've corrected me on that because you're right. It's not necessarily incorrect, but it's not. It's not you know, adaptive. Yeah, and it's not the response that you would be wanting to have in no. that experience. And in the same way, you know, when I had depression, there would be things that would happen that should be joyful, and yet I yes, can't experience yes. joy. Yes, so there's yeah. there's all these things, but I think mm. when you can regulate your emotions so that a majority of the time you're having, you know, the expected, maybe we say expected yes, response expected is response. better. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. expected response. Something joyful happens, yes. I feel joy. Something... Yes breaks a boundary or makes me angry you know yeah. that's okay because actually yeah. that that's you know the yeah. response that I would expect in that situation and so then you can actually start to feel the plethora of emotions mm-hmm. without feeling guilty or shame or mm-hmm. um you know those responses where it's like well I don't get angry because I'm mm-hmm. like above it or whatever it's like yeah. anger's a really helpful emotion yeah as long as you not emotions as long are. as it's not destructive and and ragey at someone else right like but when do we get modeled a good you know we don't I don't think anyone is good at that I don't think anyone models good healthy anger no I don't think I've ever seen it no I don't think I've ever how seen do you it. process your anger just out of interest because I think this is oh. a big one especially for women especially yeah. for women that experience trauma especially for women that tend to lean on the freeze or fall response mm-hmm. feeling and expressing anger mm-hmm. is terrifying and often terrifying. very difficult to connect and with. I label it as I I spend a lot of time being like I'm frustrated I'm irritated I'm annoyed mm. I give it like every other word other than anger. So what I've started to do is I come back to that self-compassion. So mm. a, a, it takes me a while to even label it as anger. Yep. And then when I do, I'm just like, oh, hello, anger. This is anger. I'm just labeling this as anger. Mm-hmm. And then I try to have a conversation with my anger about, okay, well, what do you need? And yeah. often it is that I haven't voiced something, right? Yep. Or a boundary has been crossed. Mm-hmm. And then I can have a self-compassionate conversation with myself about, is this something you need to voice? Is this a boundary you have to put out there in the world? Or can mm-hmm. you also say, okay, that's just information. It's information and I can sit with it. And then I tend to do somatic stuff around it. So I tend yep. to then work out or do yoga or do Reiki or do tapping or something yeah. like that to move that anger. Cause I think as yeah. women, we don't. Yeah. And, and unfortunately we still live in a world where, you know, men's anger is scary to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, men have the opposite. I also feel really, really sad and compassionate for men because they don't also, they don't get to be told they can be fearful mm-hmm. or anxious or, or sad or, yeah. or cry. So they don't get the other side. So same as I get anxious about, or I cry about every emotion. Mm. Lots of men get angry about every emotion. Yeah. Right? Cause it's what's acceptable within, yeah. within the social norms. Yeah. I personally, I love, I've got a, um, a very big couch with these sort of like big hefty um feather filled 
pillows and I just like piling those up and just beating the living crap out of it yeah if I get angry that's what I do yeah and I think you made a really good point about joy as well Mm. because I think when we have trauma it also becomes unsafe to be happy yes like well I don't know if I really want to go there I don't know if I want to open up to that because does somebody else have an agenda is it safe to feel when is the other shoe gonna drop so the other thing about processing your trauma that I think is such a gift is being able to actually find your right to be content your right yeah. to be happy right? it's so true and I, I think also there's an element of like re, when you're reconnecting with your emotions it can be really difficult to trust yourself around what you're actually feeling when you've been having an unexpected response to things for so long and yeah. so when when it when you start to become less hypervigilant or you're able to actually relax, it can feel really uncomfortable for a mm-hmm. period of time because you're not, it's almost like it might not feel safe to let go of that hypervigilance because it's been yeah. keeping you protected for so long. And so there's, I think there's so many, um, so so many disconnects and you've got to re- you've got to make those connections again until it makes sense to you and also when you look at like the makeup of emotions and feelings there's only so many chemicals that we have and so when you have that specific chemical reaction if you've named that something um it might not mean what you've made it mean if that makes sense yeah. and, you've and then we got have the... societal ideas too like boys don't cry and good girls don't get yeah. angry. and so then we also have ideas around that and then we also most of our families don't teach us how to emotional intelligence and yeah, they don't they definitely don't, don't they don't know and we definitely don't talk about how you can have conflicting emotions and multiple emotions at the same mm. time right and also what i find interesting is like you know when you do kind of emotional um study stuff there's multiple uncomfortable emotions, mm-hmm. so sadness, yeah. disgust, anger, and fear being the four core roots. Mm-hmm. And they spread out into all the plethora of emotions. There's only one happiness for for the pleasant feeling emotions. So you've actually okay, got like is, four to one yeah. chance of having something that feels unpleasant. Yeah. Now, but the, and then the, if I can put a, a, a positive spin on this, because as you're saying this, I think too, but this is, this is an important point about resiliency because we can have lots and lots of really bad traumatic experiences, but if we have one or two amazing reparative experiences, mm. amazing people in our lives, I actually don't think we need as much of the good stuff to go further with the good stuff like the good stuff Mm. goes further it has more power actually like so even when you think about like you know our shadow side right yeah but when we shine light on the shadow the shadow can't exist there right and so I think sometimes if we think about it as resiliency yes of course we want like joy and contentment and happiness and excitement and all those things that go within the happiness family but I actually don't think it takes as much of those to give us that good hit mm. of chemicals. Like those chemicals are actually more powerful. Mm. And there's more of them. So when there's you look at the them. chemical yeah. makeup, all the unpleasant emotions are basically cortisol and adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. But then when you want to create like happy chemicals, 
you're looking at oxytocin, DHEA, serotonin, um, acetylcholine, which I always pronounce wrong. Sorry for people. (laughs) Feel free to put in the comments. I I know (laughs) certain words you just can't say. It doesn't matter how many times you practice them. Um, And so you've actually got more chemicals that help you to feel good than chemicals that that don't so yeah it's interesting and not to say that that's just oh it's just easy we can bypass and just get the happiness (gasps) out of this no because like just get over your trauma babe I can't (laughs) believe you're still talking about it just cheer up (laughs) because you know like it just it's profound right when we get derailed it's profound yeah I saw um I'm not always her biggest fan but I think sometimes the way she describes things is really good is um what's her name Till Swan and um, she was talking about trauma and she was like, imagine that you saw someone who'd been in like a horrific car accident and they're all like bandaged up and in a wheelchair and stuff. And you're like, oh, God, are you still going on? You know, like a year later while they're still trying to learn to walk, you're like, oh, God, are you still going on about that car accident or whatever? You know, that kind of thing. And you're like, that's so true. And I don't know if you found this, but I definitely I experienced this and I definitely have seen it in my clients as a, a repeated pattern is that often when something was a long time ago there's like a disconnect between realizing that that could be showing up today because it's like Mm -hmm. oh my god that happened when I was five it can't possibly be a thing now or that thing happened five years ago or last year it's not Mm -hmm. you know it's not that serious or things that people don't necessarily you know like divorce or um you know, relationship breakups or that kind of thing. These are traumas. These are traumas because they overwhelm our ability to cope. And like, we think, you know, oh, you know, it's, di- it's a divorce. I didn't want to be with him anyways. Mm. Yeah. But, but a divorce but at one just, point you did, you decide at one. And so you have to fall out of love with somebody. You have to separate a house. Like, it's not like a divorce happens over life. That's like a three to five year yeah process of you being flooded with stress hormones right and so there's you're right there's all these big t trauma these horrific things but most of us have lots and lots of little t traumas Mm. that just become this cumulative process and you're right we dismiss oh it didn't when i was five but we all have we love parts like we all need times where our five-year-old needs tending to or our 14 year old decides to have a nice little you know teenage temper tantrum i'm glad that you brought that up because so many people talk about inner child work no one talks about the inner teenager oh yeah yeah she mad (laughs) she's like pissed off and and actually you know maybe as women this is the only time we get to be like we Mm. do have this period of time where we get to maybe own this angsty broody place right i don't know i think i'm still there sometimes (laughs) mine is for sure i was full like grungy gothy you know broody yeah black hair and you know it's great to explore that though um what one thing do you wish you'd known like on your journey it sounds like you've just had such an incredible incredible healing journey that spanned multiple decades you know what one thing do you wish you'd known about healing trauma before you started your journey i wish i'd known that healing is a process that happens every day and that it's constantly unfolding and we're constantly doing because we think it's something we have to work on and then you're going to leave it and then you're going to work on it again so trauma is something yes we work on at times and it's also how we heal in relationship every single day with others Mm -hmm. with ourselves I think I had this illusion that adulthood was this place you arrive at and you have the answers and you don't need to do anything about it. Um, and I think it's it's just about you're healing every single day. 
Mm. It's constantly, I'm, I'll be healing till the day I die. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm actually excited about it now because now I see then that healing could be exciting for sure. At the beginning, when I was healing trauma, it was scary because I had mm. to sit with those emotions and learn how to be with it. And so I don't want to minimize that at all. But now I'm like, Oh, let's do the next step. Because the, the, the thing that comes on the other side of that healing is just, I just know myself even more. And I think just the more you get to know yourself, the more it's, it's just the pay- so it's like the payoff for doing yeah. the work isn't it yeah it's like yeah. the equivalent yeah. of when you've been to the gym and then I mean I've never had this experience but I've seen other people do it but you know when you've been to the gym and you've got a six-pack and you go yeah, yeah. I did that yes. yes that's my yeah. nutrition and sit-ups game yeah. on point and I think it's yeah. the same with trauma it's like oh I managed to set that boundary where I couldn't yeah. set it before yeah. this thing happened and I didn't cry this thing happened yeah. and I didn't have a panic attack this yeah. thing happened and I didn't get so anxious that I can't function yeah. this thing happened and I didn't get so angry yeah. that I punched my fist through someone's yeah. face or a wall and or I, whatever and, and I want to be I want to be 90 and learn and still be learning something new about myself oh god I don't because I think but I guess I think <laughs> <laughs> oh god I'm hoping because... the healing's done like in the next two I'm like I'm over it <laughs> yeah but, but even if it's not healing like I just I think it's like I think it's just like oh and I I learned I learned how to set yeah. a boundary at 90 and I learned yeah. how, I learned something else about myself and yeah, yeah, I learned yeah. something else I could let go of and I think there's just there's so many things we don't even know about our brain and how it works in our personality yeah. and I just I just I I actually think this is one of the things for women especially maybe as you get into your 40s and 50s too there's this like I am falling in love with myself and I'm mm. unapologetic and I don't care as much and it's just yeah. that's a nice place too. It is really nice. And I think something that somebody shared because I wanted to ask you about this actually and I realized we're massively running out of time but I'm going to try and <laughs> squeeze this in cuz I think it's going to be gold. Um I'm not going to share their name because I don't know if they would want me to and um I haven't asked permission to share but they put it on Facebook as a public thing so I imagine it's not super private um but this person that I know had shared that they had a very traumatic event happen to them and it's a big part of their story and their work and various things and they shared that they're not going to share it anymore they're not going to talk about the story anymore they're not going to talk about the details of the story anymore they're not going to talk about themselves as if they were this traumatized person who's now healed they're just not that's just not their story anymore unless it's super relevant and specific to help somebody else basically and I it kind of got me on this like thing of like Oh, how many narratives and stories have I created about myself? Mm. Oh, I'm this girl. I've got depression. I think I've got ADHD. Mm. I've had these these traumas that have happened that I've had to overcome. And like, I don't know, just in terms of even just like labeling yourself, like business owner, woman, mm. um, you know, whether you're a mother or not, you know, which I'm, I'm personally not at the moment. Um, you know, it, all these different like narratives and stories. And actually, if meaning and story is so important to trauma which I believe it is because you know what you've made things mean and how you rewrite that can really help you to heal Mm. then at what point do we you know is there a point where we can just let go of that narrative and say you know what I'm not going to do any more trauma work I'm not avoiding it or whatever but I'm going to focus mainly on joy or happiness or Mm 
I don't know, curiosity, joyfulness, playfulness, yeah. uh, peacefulness, whatever yes. it might be, yeah. instead of consistently going back, back, yeah. back, back, back yeah. and healing, 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 could I go forward with right. I'm going to face forward with joy in my heart and try and, ex- try and experience as much joyful, yeah. fun, I don't know. What do you think yeah, about and I've, it? And I've struggled with, because it's a bit of a riddle in my head because I... I, I totally agree that there's this point you rewrite your story, but it can't also not be your story. It is your story. That is what yeah. it is, right? And this, so so the, to me, it, it, I get all wrapped up in my head about it and going in circles because even coming on podcasts and talking about it, I'm not talking about it because I'm like, I often wondered, like, well, especially with family and friends, they're like, oh God, is she still working through that? Yeah. Um, but I'm doing it because I want to share my story because it illustrates, I can give myself as an example for how Mm. I see clinically as a therapist, how I understand it intellectually and how I know it happens in the real world. And I think we can't banish our story either. Mm. I think we can change our relationship with our story. I think we can rewrite our story. Yeah. And I think there's periods of times where we don't share it and we don't keep going along with it, but in my mind, it's also who I am and I'm proud of it. Yeah. Like, and so I think there's also this statement too, that again, there's not really a good English language phrasing for this where we say, yeah, but you know, I'm glad I, I can't say that I'm glad it happened mm. because it made me who I am. Like, cause I could have done without being bullied and sexually <laughs> yeah. assaulted. And like I could have done without that. Like- um, <laughs> if I but, could go back and choose, I might. But... <laughs> But what if that experience allows me to help other people heal in the world? Yeah. What if that allows me to put a mess? So I think it's this both. I think maybe it's about your intention and in sharing it, right? Yeah. Like, is it, and, and I think we can, but I think we tell stories about ourselves and we put labels of our identity on ourselves, as you say, and we get to start, we get to change the story we want to tell about ourselves mm. at any point in time. I think this is why illness or, um, things that just change out of the blue in life or retirement are so hard Mm. because we've put this identity of yeah this is who I am I'm my career or I am my role as a sister or I am my role as a wife or Mm -hmm. like same as you I'm not a mother but like I I think we're so many things to so many different people auntie or therapist yes yes yeah and so this happens with therapists all the time people are like well you can't possibly like have you know, disagreements with people because you Lol. know everything. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm messy. I'm messy. Same as everybody else. That's right? why we have our own therapist. <laughs> yeah. Plus supervision. We're wounded healers, right? There's no, there's a reason why people yeah. do what they do. Right. And yeah. so, um, yeah, there's times where I want to let go of my trauma story and not keep banging on about it. Yeah. And at the same time, it might help someone for me to share and to come out of the closet and say, I actually have no problem saying that this is my history. Yeah. And I'm not even flooded by talking about it right now. And it's tricky, isn't it? Because I think there's certain things in my story that I notice and anyone that's listened to me as a guest on other people's podcasts will probably have noticed this. <laughs> Whenever I talk about depression and like how bad it, because I sort of forget because it was so long, yes. or, so long ago now that I couldn't physically function from depression. Like even if it, raise its ugly little head occasionally um I've got the tools now that it never gets to the point or hopefully it won't I can't guarantee it's never going to get to that point but it never gets to that point where I can't get out of bed and brush my teeth I can't Mm -hmm. you know 
function at all when I go back to that and I think back to like how hard that was like even now it makes me want to cry because I just think oh my god I can't believe that you went through that and sometimes when people question me about it on podcasts because I don't think about it that often it was a long time ago Mm -hmm. I've kind of dealt with a lot of it it still elicits this like deep emotion and then other things I can talk about till the cows come home and it really doesn't elicit any emotion because it's a part of you right? There's yeah. a part of you that's, so, and there's a time where that part ran the show. Yes. she did. And now she's healed enough that you can tend to her and, and say yeah. it's okay and tuck her away. Right. Same with anxiety for me. Like I would still say that's the most, like, there's no way for me to really explain this anxiety was it was just my state of being. I think anxiety is worse than depression. I know you should like pit them off against each other, but honestly. Like, and they're so connected too though, right? And and it, but it like it's hard for me to really profoundly now say that was just my baseline. Yeah. It's that was just it when who you I was. And now How it's did and I, I get and through I did, life. And I did honestly, like probably even 10 years ago, thought. That's just who I am. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. And now I'm like, wow. okay, it comes to same. It's a part of me. It's there. It exists. Yeah. I can pull her up. Yeah. Right. I can bring her into the room for sure. Yeah. Um, But she's not my dominant. She's no. not my dominant protector anymore. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that narrative of dominant protector. That's beautiful. Cause I, I've not heard that before. And I think that's, that's definitely because she kept me really safe. I'm incredibly yeah, grateful do. to her. And that's the thing. I'm incredibly always, grateful to her. I always think, well, you're still here. So even yeah. though you went through all that stuff and you had all these like bizarre coping mechanisms because you didn't know any better, they actually worked, yeah. didn't they? Because yeah. you're still alive. Yeah, and I am. I'm grateful to her. She kept me really protected. And she yeah. she allowed me to control a bunch of situations that weren't in my control. Yeah. Right? Um, beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share? Anything that you wish you'd asked before we start to wrap up today's episode? No, just that I, I love people. I have people would just seek me up and come find me and, and, and come share because I think as we were sharing at the beginning before we came on just the podcast, it's, it's just an ability to just share stories. And I think yeah. that's so important and have a community and, all those things and I've just great I'm just so grateful Rachel I've really enjoyed this conversation Me too. you know it's and great. it's and it's always seems weird to be saying like you can have fun um talking about you know trauma and anxiety and depression and all of these weird quirky things we have to cope in the world but but it can because we can get to this place where you can just own it loud and proud and laugh about it and and you know absolutely and I think yeah. you know also remembering that even if you are doing trauma work you can also have fun. Yes. Like the, yes. the therapy sessions might not be fun, but you yeah. know, like if you meet all your friends for, you know, whatever, going to the pub, having a coffee, doing brunch, whatever you're doing and you're laughing or you're, don't feel bad about that stuff. Cause I Cause used to feel bad. Right? I did too. Right. And I used to think like, rate. Oh God, you know, but I can't be sat here saying I've got depression and then I'm actually having a laugh with my mum over dinner or something. I'd yeah. be like, mm, well, that doesn't add up. And it's like, nah, yeah. things run concurrently. You can be traumatised and still 
enjoy certain aspects of your life you can be depressed and still experience joy Mm -hmm. at times you can be super anxious and still experience relaxation and calm and peacefulness and clarity of thought and it's and you can relapse in things and get back get back on track again right and so it it is I love that That, I use that so much in my healing choose again Mm -hmm. choose again you know when you're like if I'm having a negative thought about myself, I can just choose a different thought. If I'm having like a really intense emotional response to something, I can try and choose a different response or choose a tool that I know is going to help me release that emotion so then I can feel better. If I'm, And it was just that thing that I just used to say to myself all the time, like you can choose again because it's so mm-hmm. empowering. You mm-hmm. don't have to wait until Monday yeah. or New Year's Eve or January the 1st or, yeah. you know, it's like it, it doesn't matter what it is, what the behavior is, what the thought pattern is, what the emotion is, you can in that moment choose. Yeah. And you might have to choose 700 a... times in a day. Because <laughs> there are days, there are days where like, I, you know, for some reason I'm going here, right? So yeah. this is, you might have a negative thought and you say, yeah, I'm going to choose again. Yeah. And then it's back I'm gonna again. I'm going to choose again. Right? So I'm going to choose again. But then also getting curious when you get into this place of safety enough to say, okay, so why is it, why yeah. is that narrative showing up? Yeah. And also whose narrative is it? Is it yes. my narrative? Is it my yeah. grandmother's love, narrative? Is it society's narrative? Right. I love questioning. I think, why do I have this? Who does it belong to? Mm-hmm. What does it need? Mm-hmm. What's it protecting me from? Who is it protecting me from? Mm-hmm. Asking yourself, you know, either is it or why isn't it, depending on the situation, safe to for me to release this? And then if you're not sure why, you can ask, you know, is it safe for me? Might be a yes, safe for me to let this go. Is it safe for my family? Mm-hmm. No. Ah, okay. So I can let it go, but I can't let it go because actually, and that's where these disconnects happen. And so then you can build that self-awareness of, is it safe for the world? Is it safe for my community? Is it safe for my work? Mm -hmm. And then you can start to like narrow it down to, ah, okay. So this thing is protecting me only at work. And that's why I feel like I can let it go all the time, apart from when I'm in the office or when I'm with my family or whatever it is. And this is what happens with when I come on and I share my story, my immediately thing is it's safe for me to share it, Mm. but I, but I don't want to hurt my mom and I don't want to hurt my dad. And so I often, I, you know, so I'm often like, mom, like I'm not blaming you or dad, I'm not blaming you. I'm just like, I've, I've, I've worked through it. Right. Yeah. But again, there's the family rules too, right Mm. around like, I, you know, I'm always like, I don't want you because we also generationally going back, right. You, You have to be stoic. You have to not Mm -hmm. air the air the family stuff right yeah and so yeah so when you say that right it's like who is it for it's safe for me to say but might not be self safe for someone else that I love Mm. to be able to hear that and that's okay and then it's a different strategy and this is the thing so when people say like just let it go it's like but there's so many different strategies Mm -hmm. for letting things Mm -hmm. go and if it's safe for you to let go and so you but then you're like getting frustrated like well why can't I let this go then and then you realize oh it's because it's not safe for somebody else in my environment or what have you then you can use a different strategy and then you can but the Mm -hmm. freedom on the other side Mm -hmm. but anyone Mm -hmm. who's listening to this like the work is hard I'm not gonna lie Mm -hmm. But the mm-hmm. freedom on the other side <laughs> is worth every tear, every f- 
fear facing you know it's worth all of it thank you so so much for being here this has just been such a great conversation i feel like i could talk to you all night it's actually got dark outside while we've been talking well and all day for me because now the sun is up here so it's all good oh great it's like people on youtube are probably going to just be seeing me slowly disappearing like into the darkness in the background It's like no light on in my room. It's just my front light. It's like headlights in my face now. Um, Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to obviously put all your, um, you know, links and stuff in the show notes. But for people that want to get in touch, how do they find you? What's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, so I'm on most of the social medias at Illuminated Path Counseling. So I have a YouTube channel that has tips and tricks for different things, as well as on Instagram and Facebook, just around some of the stuff we talked about today. And I've got a couple really exciting self-study courses that you'll put in the links as well. But everything's uh, probably the easiest is on social media, just at Illuminated Path Counseling. Brilliant. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much to you guys, the listeners, as always. If you are watching on YouTube, please do click that little bell and subscribe to the channel. It really helps us to reach more people. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, I know there are so many now, I'm not even going to name them all, but please do click and leave us a review. Five stars, obviously, what you're going to be doing. Um, But do be honest, because I like to hear feedback as well. So if there's things you think we can improve on, do let us know. Um, But if not, then give us a five-star review help us reach more people with this incredible knowledge that we share and these incredible conversations and i'll be back with you very very soon with another conversation much love we hope you've enjoyed listening as much as rachel enjoys making this podcast why not share it with a friend in need of some heartwarming fear inspiration and if you really love it Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us reach and inspire more people. Thanks for listening.